You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing hemostasis considerations for GP surgical procedures. Our guest today is Dr. Marty Jablau, a well-known KOL, regular speaker on Viva Learning, and practicing dentist in Woodbridge, New Jersey. Dr. Jablau is an attending dentist at John F. Kennedy Medical Center in Edison, New Jersey, and a member of his county's Dental Peer Review Committee. Dr. Jablau is president of Dental Technology Solutions, a lecture and consulting company. Dr. Jablau, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Hi there, Phil. Glad to be here. So, as you know, we're going to be talking about hemostasis considerations. You, you did an excellent webinar on this uh, in the past for Viva Learning, and uh, we thought it was pretty good, and we invited you back for a podcast, so we appreciate you coming on. Tell us about the precautions we should take prior to a procedure that will involve bleeding. Well, the real important thing about this is, is knowing your patient. I mean, the most important way to stop bleeding is understanding the patient's medical history because it all starts there. So it's before you even anesthetize the patient, look at the patient to do the procedure, and well before you're going to pick up any instrument that may cause bleeding. You wanna know that patient's medical history. So it's what I like to call it, you gotta know before you cut, and that cutting can be tooth, gingiva, tongue, because anybody who's picked up a high-speed handpiece has nicked the patient somewhere. Whether it's the tongue, the lip, even just taking the instrument out of the mouth can be enough to induce bleeding. And part of the problem now is that we have more and more patients that are on anticoagulant therapies. They're taking drugs such as heparin and Coumadin, Xarelto, Pradaxa, aspirin, baby aspirin. Most people don't even think about it as a drug, so you have to ask those questions. Are you taking any baby aspirin if they list any kind of heart issues? These are the things to, to know. Plavix is another one. Those are all part of understanding the patient. And your best defense is to understand the patient and be prepared before you ever get involved in any of the procedures. So to me, that's where you definitely have to start. Patient's medical history. Right. So, but for standard procedures where they, we're not talking about uh, standard restorative procedures, we're not talking about extraction or perio work or anything like that. Do they have to do a medical history that every time someone comes in, every time they pick up their handpiece, or they should just... Well, you don't necessarily have to... You have to update a patient's medical history on a regular basis. You can't have a patient who's been coming to you for years, and the last time you put you did their medical history or did any update to it was when they filled out their original incoming information. I mean, that's just looking... That's just negligent. You need to be looking at this as a continuum. So every six months, if they come in for their routine hygiene appointments, you need to be asking, is there any change in your medical history? You know, any change in drugs before I'm going to do not a routine procedure, but anything that, you know, would be that extraction, perio, whatever, biopsy. That's something obviously I'm going to be very well aware of before I go in. And I want to, I will update it right then and there before we start. But on an ongoing basis, that's standard of care. You can't not know your patient. In my office, every time they come in for hygiene, there's a, there's a request of the patient. Can we update it? We want to know our patients. And the better we know the patients, the less chance that we're going to have some kind of outcome that, uh, you know, we're not prepared for. I mean, ha having some bleeding and being able to control it is, is minor compared to somebody having a stroke in your chair. 
That's why I say know your patients, know their medical history. If you have to do it every single time, do it every time um, that you see them. It, there's nothing wrong with asking the questions. Right. Tell us about some of the techniques and products out there that are used for managing bleeding related to simple extractions. Because for the most part, well, we're, talking, we're talking about simple extractions here, that the concern for a good medical history. Yeah. So any kind of simple procedure. And, and here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little bit more broad. It's not just doing for a simple extraction. In many cases now, placing a single implant may be a simple procedure. All right. But when we're looking at that, obviously, again, know that, know the patient's history. The, the primary thing that we're all been taught in dental school is that the first thing is pressure. Okay. What did we use? We used gauze. You roll up a big thing of gauze and you have the patient bite down. That's your primary way to have hemostasis. We want to reduce blood flow to the injury site, and you get a platelet plug that forms. You know, then we have the secondary parts where we get the clotting plasma and all those things that go with it. But, you know, the first thing that you want to really be doing is applying pressure. After that, we may look to other things that can control bleeding. You know, lasers, electric cautery will also be able to control bleeding. Um, you know, and even then we've been taught, you know, just suture the stuff, close the wound. All right, then put some pressure on it. These are all the basics. If we get past the basics, now we're looking for other things. We're looking for either things like gel foam gauze that you can place in, or um, there's newer ones that are coming out that I've been using. Medicom has safe gauze, which works really, really nicely. It fills, forms this nice cellulose layer in an extraction site, um, plugs the wound, coagulates it, and you can even, it hardens up enough that you can suture around it. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can use to get to that point where you're not so concerned, you know, with bleeding. As I like to say, you really don't want surprises. Surprises when you're doing even minor surgery um, are a problem. And we all know that every extraction, you look at it, it looks simple, and it turns out it's not. So the reality is you never know what's coming at you. You mentioned a couple of products to have on hand when doing a simple extraction. You mentioned uh, gel foam, which has been around a long time. And mm -hmm. you mentioned the newer product, Safe Gauze Hemostat. Um, I've heard about this product. It's a sterile fabric that's prepared by the chemical treatment of regenerated cellulose. You've worked with this in your office? Yeah, we've been using it quite a bit over the last, I guess, year, maybe year and a half. It works extremely well. Uh, I've been quite happy with it. In fact, in, in many cases, I just tell the, my assistant to just when we're going to do something simple like an extraction, just keep it on, put it on the tray. You know, it doesn't mean we're going to open the package, but again, it's being prepared. So not in the middle of a procedure, I'm trying to keep, you know, bleeding down and sending, you know, sending her to go get it. It's cellulose from cotton. It quickly forms like this viscous gel, starts the coagulation process, the natural one. Um, and it reduces the time to, for you to get hemostasis. Those are the good things. Um, and because it's pretty stable, like I said, I put, I put it over, you know, do, depending on what I'm doing. Like, let's say it was something really simple and, and I used some kind of bone grafting material um, and that I didn't think needed a, a barrier. Sometimes I'll put that over it. And the reason is, is that the, this material takes about three weeks to dissolve. So, you know, that just gives me enough stability there that I think, you know, especially in a poor wall defect that I'm going to get that graft to take and makes my life simpler. 
So, you know, that's how I've been using it. I mean, I've used gel foam for years and years and years. In fact, you know, that's what I was brought up on. That's what I was taught in dental school. And I think almost everybody's been taught gel foam in dental school and what to use it for and the various things, not just for hemostasis, you know, dry socket paste, place it in if you weren't using gauze. So I kind of look at it and go, you know what, what's working for me well right now? And right now, because safe gauze is less expensive than uh, gel foam currently, at least uh, from my supplier, um, that's kind of my go-to product. So when do you make the decision to move from standard gauze to safe gauze? They're both gauze products. One obviously is more advanced than the other. All right, so it's not gauze. That's what it's called. It's not like your standard two-by-two that you're going to roll up into a big ball and keep pressure on. They're smaller type sponges. They're, uh, their actual sizes are, are kind of like postage stamp size. And you, you can roll this up and form it and place it into, into a socket or over an exposed area. So if it's not a socket and you need to, to get some kind of hemostasis, you can actually place it over, um, you know, something that may have been lacerated, again, to get hemostasis. So it, it's really a small thing that's moldable. And what I find is that when I place it into a socket, it just starts to form this viscous gel and then it starts to harden up and it just makes my life simpler. Whereas I find that when I was, when I'm using gel foam, it, it's kind of more, I call it like a styrofoam thing and it gets much softer very quickly and you can move it around, but you know, I kind of consider them totally different materials. Um, although they're trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Is there any other recommendations you could make to our audience about keeping, uh, you know, the right supplies around, keeping your staff educated on some of the complications that could occur with what we would normally think is a routine surgical procedure, and then it ends up being more serious. Uh, any tips to close out this podcast that you can make? Any recommendations? Yeah, well, the most important thing, again, and I go is knowing the patient and their medical history, having everything that you think can go wrong, because you know Murphy's Law will tell you everything that can go wrong will, that doesn't mean it's going to, but you want to be prepared. Just like you have different instruments that are brought into the operatory, you have the root picks and the east-west elevators and all these other things that you may have bought, you know, need to use uh, when it's there. And as I like to put it, I'd like everything that I can possibly think of on that tray. So that runs the gamut from having the gauze out to something like safe gauze or gel foam and all those instruments there. So we're not running back and forth because the less trauma that you're going to have the tissue, the less likely you're going to have a bad outcome. So tissue doesn't want to be traumatized. That's, that's plain and simple. So if you've got the right tools, it, it's easier to do the job, plain and simple, no right. different than anything else in this world. Yeah. And last question, Dr. Jabal. So if you have a patient, though, that is at high risk, and even though you're doing a simple extraction, you're probably going to refer it to an oral surgeon, would you not? Um, that all depends. It depends on your level of training. It depends on your competence and what you feel is going to happen. Now, we all do that. I mean, I may refer a patient out not because I'm not capable of taking out this plus three mobility tooth as advanced periodontal disease, and there's nothing that I'm going to do that's going to cause me a big problem except the medical history. Maybe they're not well-controlled, high INR, all of these things that maybe make bleeding more of an issue. And I prefer to then uh, default to someone else just because I don't need the headache. That may be one part to it. So, you know, I don't say that you need to send all these more difficult situations because you never know when they're going to come up. 
but I would say it's really based on your personal comfort level and training, what you feel you're capable of doing. Can you stop bleeding? Do you have the tools in your office to stop the bleeding? And if not, absolutely then refer. But uh, that's just going to be an individual situation, both for the doctor and the patient. Yeah, very well said. Thank you very much, Dr. Jabba. We appreciate your insight into taking in consideration bleeding and clotting issues that relate to what we normally would consider as routine dental procedures. And you talked about having a good armamentarium ready on the tray, including instruments and various clotting auxiliary products like Safegauze Hemostat from Medicom, Gel Foam, and others. And um, we do appreciate your insight. And thank you very much for this podcast. Thank you very much for having me.